Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Whether you're listening or watching us on our YouTube page, which can be found at Lions 24-7 channel on YouTube. Happy to have you with us. I'm back in the baby nursery studio here, and Sean is at his house, and our Mark Brennan is on the road doing a great job on the ground up in Wisconsin and Madison. He has been there, I think, since early Friday and appreciate his coverage. Sean and I looking forward to getting back on the road. We won't have to for a while because the Nittany Lions, 1-0, Sean, coming back four games in Beaver Stadium and a great setup for the rest of their 2021 season. We'll talk about everything that led to it, but a 16-10 to victory on the road over the 12th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. You're getting out of Wisconsin with a win. It's more than a lot of people project. It's more than we projected. Um, we're happy to be wrong, of course, on our projection or on our predictions the other day. Uh, not the prettiest game, but that's not what you're probably going to remember about this. I and mean, Penn State's defense stood up when it needed to. Um, you know, if you if you missed it, check out our in-game thread or or don't. I, I probably wouldn't right now. It's it's quite an entertaining read, maybe for a Monday morning after or something like that. Uh, but the important part. Penn State with a gutsy win. I mean, absolutely. This is not the type of game that James Franklin's teams have won over the last couple of years. Um, they did it in different fashions. They forced some turnovers at the end of the ball game. But uh, you got to credit that defense, man. It's, 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 we're still waiting on the arrival of Mike Yersich's offense, but Brent Pye has that defense ready to go. We heard some from, from some Penn State defenders this week leading up to week one. They said the goal was three turnovers per game. They hit exactly that mark. They, they, they really better send a nice, you know, a nice lunch order or a nice gift basket over to Graham Mertz, who let's talk. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but pretty disastrous beginning to his season there for Wisconsin. But Penn State's defense played a role, though. There's no doubt, doubt about it. Slamming the door shut. Uh, the two interceptions late from Jair Brown, Jaquan Brisker. We talked about them earlier in the preview episode. Their history together at Lackawanna College, the first time starting together. And before we go any further, Jaquan Brisker got the the first of those two interceptions. Penn State couldn't quite put it away when Brisker got his pick, but it it capped off what was a game where it was like a boxing match for Jaquan Brisker. He was sidelined, then he would show back up, make a play, then he'd be slow to get up. He'd come back, make a play, end up on the sideline, finished on the field, and got the ball back in his hand in a crucial moment when it looked like Wisconsin was about to either tie it up or take the lead down by six. And there's no question that defense, when he's out there, is a different defense. You saw him and Arnold Evicati, who was fantastic as well, come off with an, with injuries. Um, I believe that was in the third quarter. And that was that spelled trouble for Penn State. Uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin got a chance to move the football a little bit. There were some tackling issues in the back end. We talked about on the preview show that tackling issues usually show up this time of year, and, and Penn State really could not avoid those. Um, I mean, they, they could have avoided those, but they did not avoid those. So, um, but yeah, Brisker just showing what, what an integral part of this defense he is an integral part of this team. Um, so really gutsy show by him is kind of a, uh, it, it's kind of summing up the entire defense's performance that he, you know, he was out in and out and 
making the plays when he had to in the first half and then came back around and made the, the play at the end of the game. So can't say enough about Brisker. And it's funny because sit here and make this rundown of all these, these shout outs for the player shout outs. And, and most of them come on the defensive side of the ball. And for good reason, 95 plays run by Wisconsin today. That's a pretty ridiculous number for Penn state to be out there. And I know that they count some, some of those other plays um, into it, but I mean, you can't say enough 3.8 yards per play um, for Wisconsin, 5.8 yards per play for Penn state and Penn state's offense wasn't clicking. We, we, we know that we go back to the first half. It was bad. I mean, it was real bad. I, I, I did that prediction the other day and where I said, I think both teams will take a little bit to, to get the feel of the game, to catch up, to get their offense going. I don't know. I'd be that right. I mean, that was pretty insane. That was, that was, that was quite the underwhelming experience to see in, in the first half. We had, you know, obviously all the talk for all offseason has been what will it look like when Mike Yersich and Sean Clifford, after all these practices, get to put it together with that supporting cast. And what it looked like was very little involvement from the running backs. I mean, it, I was pretty stunned. I mean, it was it was ugly across the board. I think they were under 50 total yards at halftime. But the running back totals were, were just like jarring. You had at halftime Noah Kane leading the way three yards on two carries. Um, every, you know, the other running backs were essentially a non-factor today. Noah Kane got his rhythm going a little bit later, as did Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson, and they scored enough points to get away with the win. But it all does go back to the defense, and 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 this conversation we're going to have is often going to circle back to the defense because coming up to this, you know, the, the old adage, if I told you Penn State was going to score 16 on the road at Madison, would that be enough? Certainly no would have been the answer. It turns out it was enough, and and they even had enough cushion where a field goal wasn't going to get it done for Wisconsin at the end of this one. Yeah, and that that first half, I mean, it's a wash. I mean, it, it there are a lot of things that we could take out of it and, and nitpick and and things like that. But honestly, the the way that the game ended, you don't want to hear about it. You, we don't want to talk about it. You don't want to hear about it. But I mean, that was tough, tough, tough to watch. Um, well, because, I, whoops, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I go ahead on your point. I'm just I was going to I was going to bring up the, the good thing for both team was as as disappointing as things were offensively for them at the half and Mertz and Clifford and, and the lack of execution and generating much. The other team didn't do it. So you kind of had a fresh start for both teams. You're not usually granted that you come out the gates like that in, in, in and in an environment like this. You're facing a pretty significant hole. Probably. I thought both teams were fortunate. Their defense was a big part of that. And and they you know you're back to square one through 30 minutes of football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, Penn State should have been down. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. You had um, different uh, bounces go their way. Evakete blocks a field goal. Tarburton falls on a loose ball that really wasn't a fumble. It was a fumbled exchange uh, from the quarterback to the running back, and and he was fortunate to be there. Penn State got a couple good bounces like that. But uh, yeah, when you, when you play like that and and, and we knew that it would take, you know, a couple drives or whatever for that to click. But Penn State, the way that they got beat up front over the first couple drives, Wisconsin stunning all over the place, giving problems, especially to the new starter, Anthony Wigan there. Um, but it, it, that was that was really tough because when your offensive line is is playing like that and getting handled like that, that doesn't really work out for anybody. It's not conducive to setting up your new offense. So I think there's blame to be thrown around and, and, and they, but, but to their credit, they made some adjustments. They, they attacked the perimeter of that Wisconsin defense. We talked about that last week is it would be a key to get those guys outside and try to make some people miss And Penn state in the second half was able to do that. Uh, but the first half, I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta take your hat off to Penn state's defense because that they really controlled. Uh, they were really the reason that Penn state was still in that game. 
what the first half gave us a chance to do, aside from watching these teams kind of fill each other out and set set up for what was going to happen later in the game, was see what what's going on from a personnel standpoint. So much of the mystery for us, and and we I think we did a really good job as preseason camp wore on and week one wore on and putting together a projected depth chart and kind of telling our listeners what to anticipate. You know, there were a few interesting developments today. Uh, Keaton Ellis, not with the not with the program, not in uniform there. And uh, then you factor in Jaquan Brisker being sidelined. We saw a lot more of Jonathan Sutherland earlier in this game at safety than we anticipated we would, which, you know, that was a potential issue there. Um, Brisker obviously getting back involved. Um, and we also, we got our answer on Jesse Lucetta. Uh, would he be ready for defensive end? Yes, certainly looked the part. But that conversation at defensive end, which, by the way, that, that position overall stood for stood up for itself very well, Madison. Arnold Ebikade, you gave yourself some credit on projecting how this game would play out from a flow standpoint, from an offensive standpoint. I'm going to give myself some credit. My breakout pick for Penn State this year, Arnold Ebikade, and I said I really thought by the end of this year he would be viewed as one of the Big Ten's premier transfer additions among those 14 programs. He is setting the early tone here. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely one of Penn State's most vital players out there, and he he did it right off the bat. I wasn't sure, you know, considering where he was coming up, going from Temple to Penn State is a jump. It's FBS to FBS, but it's also a jump where you go, you know, to go on the road against Wisconsin in your first game to play like that is pretty ridiculous. So uh, right off the bat, I believe he had a tackle for loss for four yards. Then he uh, he got to the quarterback and forced a fumble that was overturned. It was a right call uh, that, that that was called an incomplete pass. Eventually blocked that field goal. Uh, for where Penn State stood at defensive end coming into the day, you got to feel a lot better. Now you got to figure out the depth there and, and figure out what's going on. But Ebikete and Lucetta, I mean, you, you really couldn't ask for much more from those two guys in their first games. Yeah, they both made uh, plays uh, in the backfield on that first possession for Wisconsin. Really just a, a nice sign to see those guys often running early in, in, in new roles with this team. Um, and, and then that really continued on and, and you kind of, Held your breath as a Penn State fan, knowing how things were at, at defensive end and knowing how things were at safety at that stage of the game from a depth perspective, because all of a sudden you're without Brisker. I think there was 11 minutes or so to go in the third quarter. Penn State is up 7 nothing. You're without Brisker for that series. Ebikade, as they reported on the TV, heading to the locker room. You're not sure what's going on there. And then Wisconsin goes down the field, ties the game up at 7-7, to and you're thinking, Wow, if they don't get those guys back, at least one of them back, this could be a major issue. Are they going to wear things down? Wisconsin was controlling the time of possession. By the end of the game, they're both back on the field, and they're both making plays because Ebikede was once again uh, pressuring Graham Mertz late in the game. I believe that led to the uh, intentional grounding call, which was the clear call. Um, and, and what a immediate impact. I mean, you can't say enough about Ebikede answering the bell. I don't think anyone who was a first-year player on this roster faced more pressure in game one and he exceeded expectations. Yeah, it was fantastic. So um, you got that. You had the uh, intentional grounding that you just mixed. They had another intentional grounding earlier uh, in the game forced by Ellis Brooks, which when we talk about wow. Ellis Brooks. Uh, he was he was something. I mean, th this is a guy that that really fell for fell short of expectations last year. And um, we thought that maybe getting a little bit more in front of him uh, at defensive tackle and being a little bit more free with the guys around him uh, would help him out. I didn't think we thought this would happen this soon. They were all over the place. Um, you know, Ellis Burks, as he was called by the uh, the broadcasters, <laughs> uh, it was a pretty good good comparison. But uh, and you had uh, a good tweet, was, by the way, after he, that he was he was fantastic. <laughs> and I appreciate that. He was fantastic until um, he got uh, ejected with the the targeting. Not going to get in the targeting right now. Um, targeting ejections are stupid, but not getting into the uh, the target the actual targeting right now. Um, just very good, very good all around. And if you can get that out of him, 
um, where the expectations there at Mike fairly low. Um, you, the expectation is very high on the outside with Brandon Smith, but there at Mike, uh, man, if you can get that, that's uh, that's a good spot to be. So having him get people in the right position, having himself be in the right position, uh, making some splash plays and being in position to make some others. I know on that fourth down, uh, he got mugged pretty bad on that fourth and one in the first half. And uh, um, I think uh, was it Clat that, that that really called that one out. Um, but Ellis Brooks can't say enough about the way that he played, um, you know, went, went away a little bit as, as the game went on, but uh, really got to tip your hat to the way that he played, because if he's not there in the first half, making those plays, Penn State's not uh, throwing or not not pitching a shutout on the scoreboard. And again, we're not going to talk about that targeting call. It's not not going to be the subject here. But I, that's the play people remember. Remember that if that targeting call isn't called, that's a that's a huge stop. That's a fourth yeah, and two. Yeah. It's a fourth and two situation where Wisconsin's got a very difficult decision to make with time going against them, the scoreboard going against them. Instead, uh, they leapfrog. You know, halfway toward the end zone. And Penn State loses one of its most effective players on this particular day. And if you are Ellis Brooks and you are the Ellis Brooks uh, f- family, sit down, watch the replay of this game because Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, they were raving about Ellis Brooks. He deserved it because he came out on fire. And if he can keep that up for 12 games for Penn State, that will reshape what I believe this defense can actually accomplish. Yeah, like I said, he he was ready to go. Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs seemed tentative, uh, you know, just in my opinion. A lot of throwing shoulders around, a lot of just waiting for the play to come to them. Um, but Brooks Brooks went after it, and he did a really good job. Now I think I think Smith and Jacobs grew into the game as it as it came along. Uh, but Brooks was was solid throughout. They're going to miss him in the first half next week against uh, against Ball State. You know, throw Jesse Lucchetta in there. James mm. Franklin said after the after the game and. To be honest with you, the difference between Brooks and Lucetta uh, today was 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 pretty big. So they're gonna they're certainly gonna miss him out there, getting everybody in the right direction. So um, yeah, that that defense, you just go around and you, and you can throw out not not really game balls, but you can throw out kudos. PJ Mustafer was in the backfield quite a bit. Tarburton threw uh, was able to fall on that ball. The safeties we mentioned before. How about Joey Porter making that uh, that late stop? I mean, needed every inch of that. He needed every inch of that wingspan, didn't he? Yeah, he My did. Goodness. That was another big, big call. And even Tariq Castro Fields, Danny Davis made three of the most ridiculous catches you will see <laughs> early in this 2021 season, um, especially that slant uh, down near the end zone. That was unbelievable. But Penn State's defense stepping up. What was really peculiar to me is that Wisconsin drive after Brooks got ejected just seemed like they were setting themselves up. And it's funny because and I tweeted this. It was 0-0 at halftime. They were playing like a touchdown was imminent. They were playing like the touchdown was the given, taking themselves, you know, out of the out of the current form of, w- of where they were running and taking their time, getting down there. And I understand why they're doing that, trying to bleed clock, not giving Penn State time to get the ball back. But really, they just took themselves and put themselves in a funk. They had that fumble that uh, Penn State, or they were fortunate not to lose, and and Wisconsin was able to jump on it, and it just it did not work. And and Penn State was able to seal the deal. We saw some Devon Elliott in there, some Fred Hansard. Derek Tangelo was the starter next to PJ Mustafer. Uh, mystery continues when it comes to Hakeem Beeman, though, Sean. Uh, just putting that note out there as well. And we'll have three episodes before the next game. Uh, we'll also talk about how the ramifications are going to play out with no Ellis Brooks in the field the first half. Not only are you losing the guy who's coming off a sensational performance, but you're also going to need to pull Jesse Lucchetta away from a spot where he looked pretty darn good too and put him at linebacker where I think right now you, you, you'd prefer him at defensive end if you could make that choice. But uh, just a couple other defensive notes there before we continue the conversation. 
Yeah, the, like I said, this one's all on the defense. Penn State's offense, uh, six. Uh, sorry, it was sixty-six to thirty-four in yards in the first quarter. Uh, second quarter, not much better. I think nine yards on nine plays for Penn State. Uh, Clifford once again showing some of the things that showed up last year, and that was worrisome. Um, but they they were able to get bailed out by that defense a few times. Um, Penn State, I thought, got handled up front in the first half. As I mentioned before, some of those stunts really confusing the Penn State offensive line. And, and, and a couple of those times, you ended up with shots on Clifford and Clifford getting the ball, you know, th- thrown off his back foot and getting the ball to certain spots. But the second half, you know, you go to the half, you go to halftime zero zero. Everybody's got their their jokes and everything like that, and there were plenty of them if you were on Twitter, uh, Big Ten football. Uh, but now they they seem to make those adjustments. We know we've seen Brent Pry make adjustments. We've seen coordinators in the past make adjustments. Joe Moorhead was fantastic at making adjustments. Penn State got the ball to the perimeter. That was something that really they. It, it's not that they didn't have time to do it, but it just. They were so beaten back, and it was third and eight, third and eight, third and eight. Penn State average, ended up averaging a third and eight for the game, and we're just, I think, uh, very – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but third downs were awful today. Um, but, no, Penn State was able to get Penn the State ball three, the I got you, Sean, there. Three of 13 today for Penn State on third down. Three, three of 13 on third down. Yeah. That's not going to get it done, especially when you're going – it's not like you were going third and two like Wisconsin was going quite frequently. Um, so, uh, but Penn State was able to get the ball to the perimeter, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith. And of course the big play to Jahan Dotson really blo- uh, broke this thing open. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because it was zero, zero at that point, 49 yards, it's a blown coverage, but at that point you're going to take anything that you can get. And Jahan Dotson, once again, showing why he's the all big 10, one of the favorites to, to be an all big 10 receiver. Yeah, when in doubt, just chuck it up. There was a couple other opportunities where, where they were pretty close overthrows there. Seriously, why not? This guy's got the speed. Uh, we talked about this heading into the matchup. If there felt like an exploitable area for a Wisconsin team that was very, you know, very well put together from that defensive front seven, you knew they were going to be able to, to bring pressure up the middle. It was, can you beat him with some of this athleticism? Can you beat him vertically? You saw Keandre Lambert Smith do that. He had a really strong performance for himself and, and asserting himself as the third wide receiver out there. But Jahan Dotson, a couple big plays. He had the touchdown. Uh, the, uh, he had the, the long touchdown, the 49-yarder. He had a 42-yard reception uh, on the drive that, that ended with Noah Kane scoring. And at the end of the day, Sean, uh, five catches, 102 yards, one touchdown. Um, you, you got the big-time performance. You know, you want the ball in his hands anytime there was a chance for him to, to return a punt. You're thinking maybe this could change a game in a low-scoring affair. This guy's the real deal. I think people are going to start to realize it nationally, and they know it here at Penn State. This is the kind of game where he is a separating factor. Yeah, and not impressed by the Badgers secondary at all. They they no. were chasing guys all all day, and Penn State made them pay. Now, Penn State probably should have made them pay a little bit more. I think Clifford, two of six on deep balls, and a couple of them weren't close, and, and Dotson was open two or three more times that, uh, that, that they could have easily hit a big play there. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, you mentioned his as well. Parker Washington, I think, Penn, had Penn State's lone first down um, in the first half um, oh with, his, with his big game. So, um, no, there was, there was, there was something – I don't. I don't want to call it a beam of light, but there was something there that just made you a little bit more uh, optimistic about this offense going through in the second uh, in the second half. Got guys behind the the defense. There were those plays that we talked about in the pre, in, in the pregame show uh, earlier, or excuse me, last week um, that you could run those double moves if you got something successful on the outside. Those bubble screens, uh, those those inline screens, and things like that you were able to maybe shake a guy loose. And, and on that 42-yard completion that set up the Noah Kane touchdown, 
they were able to get dots and pass that line of or pa- pass that line of defense um, because they were teasing the uh, the bubble screen. So uh, well designed. I'm I'm curious to to take a closer look and see what uh, you know where some of the things went wrong because obviously you like more output, you like more than 16 points. Um, but they were able to make the adjustments that they needed to do. They got the uh, passing game to the outside. They also got the running game to the outside. Noah Kane was non-existent in the first half. Um, started off that that big drive in the second half with a, th- I believe, a 34-yard run off to the right side. Um, you're going to need that. Yeah, Noah Kane had a 34-yard run. He had a big 13-yard uh, pickup later in the drive on a third down. He had to make a defender miss and got up the field. I mentioned he had uh, three yards at halftime. He ended up with 48 rushing yards. He, he had five catches, almost 30 receiving yards as well. Not going to be his best performance of the year. But, fun, you know, it, it just feels like, and I felt this way in 2019, a lot of times Noah Kane is just the focal point of the best-looking Penn State offensive drives I've seen during the last few years. And this was one of them when – they came up with a big response here, Sean, because they had those couple guys sidelined on defense, Brisker and Ebikade. All of a sudden, they're down 10 to 7. Um, you've got uh, Ches Malusi, this, this, <laughs> the bell cow that we weren't expecting for Wisconsin coming in from Clemson, running the ball well. And you're wondering if this game was going to get away for Penn State. They're able to come up with a field goal drive to match that up 10 10. And then in the third quarter, or in early in the fourth quarter, about 10 minutes remaining, Sean Clifford comes on the field with this offense. They march down the field. It, they finish it with a Noah Kane run. There's a big Jahan Dotson pickup there. But what stood out to me across the way was as soon as they came on the field, the body language, all 11 players was very impressive. Sean Clifford himself, a lot of pre-snap preparation. You could see him talking with Rasheed Walker, talking with his running back about pass protection. That proved key at, in key moments in the second half. And I just thought that was really something to see in the fourth quarter on the road at Camp Randall Stadium, just a few minutes after they, they made the big jump around hoopla. You see Sean Clifford looking very within control within himself in a key moment on the road, and it paid off in the form of a touchdown drive thought the ball was coming out of his hand better too. I mean, that, that, that deep ball to Keandre Lambert Smith, I thought he overthrew him by 10 yards and, and it was a really good ball. Uh, not as much uh, loft under it. And that really gave Lambert Smith the opportunity to catch the ball in the defensive back. Not uh, did, did not have the opportunity to do so. So I thought Clifford, you know, looked a little livelier in terms of his arm today. Still plenty to work on 18 to 33 uh, for 247 yards. We appreciate the plug and that touchdown. So it was uh, it, it was a solid start. Um, still, you still have some of those concerns um, that, that we had coming into the season. So I uh, got to work those things out before the, uh, you know, the next two weeks and, and we'll see where he goes. But yeah, it definitely deserves some sort of kudos. Um, I, I don't know that that's going to win them a Big Ten title, him playing like that, but he did not turn the ball over. That was a big thing. We, we talked last week about chunk plays and la- and turnovers. Penn State won the battle on both sides. Penn State only had six chunk plays, um, but those the 42-yard, the 49-yard, the 50-yard, or the 52 or whatever it was to Keandre Lambert-Smith, that was really, really just the, the key to this game. You just were able to break it open. You were able to uh, keep the football on your side. This was the game where you can't just go off what you need from a quarterback from the stat sheet because the stats weren't pretty and the first half was very ugly. But that zero sustained. There was no giveaways. There was no fumbles. He took one sack. Uh, We didn't see him curling up in the pocket when the pressure came. I thought he did a better job with his footwork than we'd seen in the past. There are a lot of strides to make, but when you can put a win in your pocket and come home from one of the most difficult environments you are going to see for the rest of the way here in 2021, and you did it as the starting quarterback of a team that had half of its guys who've never faced that. 
I think there's uh, I'm a little bit higher than you, I think, on Sean Clifford's importance to this victory, because I just think about all the elements of putting in a new offensive system again and doing it with a lot of guys who haven't looked around a stadium like Camp Randall. They were pretty focused and they they were exceeding increasingly focused, I thought, as the game got more to became more of a pressure cooker, which is a testament to to. Clifford, but I think that kind of lends more to what we've heard about Mike Yersich and how he has these guys trained. Yeah, and and I don't want to downplay Sean Clifford in this one. I mean, it was certainly a big part of this win. Um, as as I mentioned, probably in development, in progress, and things like that. It's a it's a step forward. Um, is it going to be enough to to beat Auburn, to beat Ohio State, to go on the road against Iowa? We will see. Um, that that's still very much up in the air, but definitely deserves the credit for for today and and the job that he did. I think it was uh, you know anytime you go into to an uh, an atmosphere like that, number twelve on the road to get a win. I mean that's that's unbelievable. So yeah. um, thought thought Clifford was was very good in that sense. And um, there were times I, I just think there were times in the first half. He you know you saw the happy feet. You saw yes. him sort of get rattled. But conversely, on that throw to Jahan Dotson, he had some pressure in his face. Now, Kane was able to get a, a chip on the on, on the pass rusher, kept his eyes up. And that's something that's been a problem for him at, at times during his career is keeping his eyes up, kept him downfield, um, dropped it right in the bucket and, and was able to to make a big play for a touchdown there. So definitely I, I, I wanted to, to stop and say definitely credit for Sean Clifford in this game because um, he, he he's the one that took him across the line uh, no doubt about it and, and there's I'm sure he'd be tell, I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you plenty of things to work on um, but it, it's a step in the right direction even with that first half maybe indicative of just how this game was overall 26 total points but all that offseason of talk about how deep the running back room was and how you're going to get different guys doing different things in this tight end group you're going to get multiple guys contributing Really wasn't the case. We mentioned what Noah Kane did. Uh, Devin Ford, one carry for one yard. Kevon Lee actually lost cumulatively four yards on his three rush attempts. And aside from Jahan Dotson, Noah Kane, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and Parker Washington, nobody recorded a catch in this game. Yeah, shrunk up there a little bit. Uh, by the way, Keandre Lamb- or excuse me, Kevon Lee, the guy that we say always falls forward. Well, he fell, no but he also kept his balance twice and tried to circle back around and, and d- didn't really work out for him either time. Um, so we'll see where he has a little bit more space next week against Ball State. We'll see him factor in there. And by the way, John Levitt, love it, not making the trip, the uh, the Baylor uh, transfer. And another one, uh, one of those, one things that just sticks in my head, you said Devin Ford had one carry for one yard. They tried to pound Devin Ford up inside and they didn't have a lot of success with anybody pounding no. the ball up inside Indiana or excuse me, Wisconsin did a, they played a lot like Indiana, by the way, Wisconsin just uh, threw numbers at that box. Their linebackers were all over the place. I thought their linebackers were excellent. Their linebackers should be pretty pissed off right now. If we're not, if we're honest um, about the way that the rest of the team played. Um, but now you, you got that. And one more, one more point on Sean Clifford, please don't compare him to Will Levis's week one. I mean, Will Levis had a fantastic week one for Kentucky against Louisiana Monroe. He's not any good, but we're very happy for Will. We love Will here. Um, we always uh, appreciate um, talking to him and everything like that. But don't make that comparison. Wisconsin on the road, Louisiana Monroe at home. Just save yourself some time. Don't do it. Sean, 32-year-old Jack Sanborn was the problem that we thought he might be. Uh, and the Wisconsin defense did bring it. And what you mentioned just now resonates with me because – didn't work in a four-minute offensive situation late in the game. Didn't work at any point running between the tackles. And that's with two guys that we think are very effective running between the tackles and Noah Kane and with Kevon Lee. The best plays today that, that Noah Kane had or that any running back had came on the outside. 
what are we thinking about this? We have to give a lot of credence to the fact that Wisconsin is a stout defense, third in the Big Ten in points allowed per game at home. We get that. But this is also a situation where Penn State's not a finished product on the offensive line. There's a lot of moving pieces that we'd like in that room. So I think they're back to the lab a bit this upcoming week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought, I thought uh, Keanu Benton, and obviously go take another look, but Keanu Benton in the middle of that defensive line for Wisconsin kind of ran things. Um, Penn State really struggled. Wigan struggled when he was out there to start the game. Mike Moran, I don't think, played his best game. Uh, the tackles were up and down. The tackles made those plays where if you're an offensive tackle – you're going to make some bad plays that people remember, but you're also going to make some good plays that people forget. So I think that's kind of the day that they had. Again, we'll, we'll take a closer look and see what Juice Gruggs did as well. Um, but I think, yeah, Indiana, or excuse me, I keep calling him Indiana. I don't know. Who got, Indiana got destroyed got, today. And I just yeah. think you're a little, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're just like, wow, Indiana is, is gone. The, the Indiana that we saw is gone for a fleeting yeah. moment. Would Penix <laughs> throw three picks today? Uh, that would have been, been nice at times last year. Um, but no, it, uh, it, it's one of those things where Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's that's where you expect them. Um, that's where you expect what you expect them to do is try and control the line of scrimmage, and they did to their credit. Um, you know, once Penn State was able to spread them out, get the ball to the the perimeter, they had a lot more luck. And I I, I would be surprised if Penn State's tight ends went catchless again. Now they tried to get them the ball, tried to get them the ball in that fourth down early uh, in the game. Uh, Theo, Theo Johnson ran a slant, but that was just all congested right up in there. I think it probably would have been flagged for a lineman downfield anyway. Um, but it was uh, one of those situations where, you know, they 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 did their job blocking, but were really not uh, a factor in the pass game. Um, not that they had a ton of targets. Brenton Strange missed that one down the seam that he almost had. Uh, but on that touchdown, three of them were out there under center. Three of them were out there. They just powered it in there and Noah Kane finished the run. And that uh, eventually was the one that that, that made the difference. Right under center, folks. That, that is, you did hear that correctly, and you'll you'll hear about that a lot, I'm sure, in the upcoming week. Mike Yersich hinted at it throughout the offseason, delivers game one on the road. Uh, Central Wisconsin. PA love that call. Oh way. yeah. Oh yeah. No fullback <laughs> no fullback sighting yet, but but it's early yet in the season. Sean, when you kind of look at, at how this game went down the stretch and who stepped up on defense and um to me, there was a realization of of just how I know, and, and, and here we go back to the defense, but just how much athleticism and length. I mean, Joey Porter at cornerback is a good example, but Brandon Smith had a quiet day. This is not going to be his best game of the Big Ten schedule. I think he's going to have several better games than this one. But you just look at at, at him kind of being that rangy figure and the way Ellis Brooks played. There is a lot <laughs> to, that you can buy into this one. It, offensively, you can say they got bailed out. And it's a nice thing because they didn't get the contributions from any other running back. They didn't get the contributions from the tight end in this stat sheet. And Sean Clifford played, you know, a few really solid possessions of football. But beyond that, left a lot to be desired in this matchup. And yet a six point win over the team that's ranked 12th in the country. I mean, this is a real launch pad potential situation for Penn State, the way their schedule shakes out. Yeah, if you lose that game, it's probably similar to, similar to Indiana last year. You, I mean, if if Wisconsin goes down there, makes it 17-16, you lose by one. It's kind of the exact same as last year. So to get off on the on the right foot, to get that win is is absolutely huge. And, and to be able to do it, to give your defense that kind of confidence, especially two weeks you're going to be playing Auburn. I don't want to overlook Ball State or anything like that, but two weeks you're going to be playing Auburn in a ridiculous environment. That defense is going to feed, and that defense is going to go from – 
feeling out that environment to trying to take the football away from Bo, Bo Nix, which that's a big difference right there. So I'm excited to see what kind of launching pad this can be. We, you talked to Josh Pate before the season, and, and he said for both of these teams, for Penn State and Wisconsin, that you know this could be the turning point. You don't you mm-hmm. never want to have the 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 fulcrum there at, at the first game of the season, but this could be the turning point for both teams for Penn State to get out of there for with a win, uh, a top. 15 win on the road in the Big Ten. I don't think James Franklin has one of those before. Um, that's just a, a huge one altogether. This is you know, easily what, you know, one of the more impressive wins you consider what the, the circumstances were here in, in game one of the season and coming out of what 2020 was and having to go up to face Wisconsin. And there's not a lot of wins that resonate uh, more impressively, particularly in the regular season for James Franklin than, than what they just did on, on this Saturday. Um, and, and guess what? You're not going to have to, to it's that kind of a condition again. You get to watch other teams come into Beaver Stadium, struggle with your atmosphere, struggle with struggle with your crowd noise, and that advantage is completely flipped. I just thought this was such a disadvantage for Penn State and really anybody who has to go on the road in week one into a difficult environment. And it was really what dissuaded me from picking Penn State to maybe win by three instead of lose by three. And they have survived it. They've come out of it with a zero in that loss, loss column, things to work on. And uh, you got to bring it again against Ball State, though. Again, we, we don't want to overlook that game. We'll talk about it a lot in the upcoming days. But I do not want to let somebody off the hook here. We've got to bring up Jordan Stout um, because you talked about how Wisconsin had a chance to maybe take the lead late against Penn State. They were knocking on the door before Jair Brisker came up with the interception. And that was because we saw Jordan Stout miss an extra point. Uh, that went off the upright. They also missed a 23-yard field goal uh, in the second half. That uh, uh, that was late in the first half, I'm sorry. But, I mean, that was a huge issue. I thought it was going to be potentially the Jordan Stout game if, if they lost this contest. And I don't have an answer on Jake Pinniger. I don't, I'm, don't know if that was addressed post-game. Uh, but just the confusing circumstances in between the punt return stuff and the A.J. Litton penalties – uh, which were were bad penalties, to be honest. There was a rough day for special teams coordinator Joe Lorick. I I don't know if it was a rough day. I mean, you, you miss. You depends. It depends what Jordan Stout you're talking about. The punter Jordan Stout average. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. He was or almost 54 yards of punt. He had a net punt of 56 yards. That was a touchback. Think about that. Short, I mean, okay, I, short range kicker Jordan Stout had a very rough day. That that was the kick. Uh, that was the kicker right there. Um, Pinnaker was James Franklin said he was available in the post game. Stout seems to have gone out and, and won that job outright, and uh, it didn't really work out too well for Penn State. Um, had a bad feeling when he took that angle. It, it just looked like a bad angle um, on that first field goal. I mean, he blasted the ball, which he always does, but uh, just just wide right. And then uh, apparently he kicked some laces once again. So they got to figure that out, um, whether it's, it's Stoll, Cheka, uh, Rafael Cheka was the holder. Um, they got to figure that out because that's that's not going to fly. And that, that almost, you know, almost put them in position to cost the game. But the punter, Jordan Stout, was excellent. The kickoff mm-hmm. guy, Jordan Stout, was excellent. The field goal kicker, Jordan Stout, not great. They got to figure that out. What a potential absolute nightmare that would have been for, for James Franklin, Joe Laurie to have to have that weighing on them with the questions. And they're still going to get the questions of if Jake Pinnaker was available, why did he turn away from him? He's had success the last three years for the most part, uh, you know, with those short range field goals, that's going to be a question, but it sure isn't going to be hanging over everybody's heads like it would if they had lost this game 17 to 16, but that was scary. And that was dicey circumstance. And to think about everything else that went into this contest, if that is what costs you, uh, that's another stab in the heart in a week one here going back home. They avoided that outcome, but they've got some things to figure out there. We heard from Jordan Stout this week, Sean, and he we all know he's got this huge leg. He told us 
He he's fueled off the road crowd. He feels like he can really. Uh, you look at his stats. He says everything you can measure. It says that he is a better kicker, a more powerful kicker on the road uh, in front of a crowd. And I don't know if that was part of it. He got too excitable, got too juiced up. But those were two inexcusable misses from a guy who's a two-time team captain. Yeah, power was not a, not an issue there. <laughs> he, oh, no, he almost no. put it through the net on that twenty-three yarder, but it just it, it's got to be accurate. And uh, I'm very 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 surprised they went that route. Thought they would do the split once again, but apparently Stout was better in camp. And James Franklin has talked about that throughout camp. Is they chart everything, and if one guy comes out ahead, apparently Jordan Stout came out ahead. So um, didn't seem to be anything wrong with Pinnegar. Again, he he made the trip, and if he's there, that seems like he would be available. So um, tale of two Jordan Stouts there. Also tale of two Jesse Lucetas. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Jesse Lucetta is a defensive end. Very pleasant surprise for Penn State today. Uh, made some plays off the edge. You put him at linebacker, it's a little bit of a different story, and they're going to have to do that because uh, Ellis Brooks is, uh, was was ejected for the the targeting call. So um, that's uh, that, that's something you got to figure out. That that linebacker depth is still scary. Um, you know, you, you, they moved some guys around there. They got Sutherland in there. Saul Charlie Catcher played some, some good football today. He had a big hit um, there on the one that Jair Brown did not haul in, um, which, by the way, was an excellent play by the Wisconsin defensive back to knock that away. Um, so that you're getting some contributions there. I didn't see Elsden, didn't see Kobe King getting some contributions from veterans there. Um, beyond that, uh, we mentioned PJ Mustafer was, he had seven tackles today from his spot. That's a, that's a really good day. Ebbe I think K- Derek, Derek already- Cangelo got a little swallowed up at times today. I, I don't think he did necessarily had a poor afternoon, but when we're assessing some of the impact of the transfer play and clearly Ebbe K- was, was a big difference maker. Um, but I still think you're looking at that spot on the defensive tackle as one where we're going to see PJ Mustafer get a lot of snaps. And then I think there's going to be a drop off from one to two. And we're going to see who else is involved there week two moving ahead too. Devon Ellis played a mm-hmm. good bit. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't say a lot, but like every time you looked out there, he was there on that last drive as sort of a pass rusher there on the nose. Um, and he, he played probably more than I expected him to play. Of course, Akeem Beeman would have factored into that. Um, Jair Brown, of course, sealed it with the pick, almost had another pick. Um, what we said last week, he had to be solid. He doesn't have to be a superstar or anything like that. Let Brisker do his thing. Let those corners do his thing. I thought he was more than solid today and ended the game with, uh, with an impressive interception. 16 to 10 victory for Penn State. Um, Sean, it's a lot more fun to get our first postgame podcast in talking about a win than what we had to talk about in October of 2020. Um, and we'll see what lies ahead for Penn State. Four straight games back in Beaver Stadium. We're excited to get back there. Excited to see a lot of you folks back in the stadium. It's going to be packed up again this upcoming Saturday against Ball State. We got anything else to share? We're going to come back on our Monday episodes every week, folks, and kind of dump out the notebook from from the game before before we get into preparation, talking about the next matchup with media availability. So going to be a lot more coming out of this Wisconsin game on Monday. But anything else you want to get off your off your plate here before we wrap up this podcast? Not particularly. We were all over the place in this one, so I hope you were able to follow along again. Uh, some some plenty to work on, plenty of, of things that you want to take a closer look at the tape and see if that was actually what you saw uh, on both sides of the football. But kudos to the Penn State defense, especially. They were excellent. Um, that's a really resilient performance to come out of there. Uh, I know Wisconsin's – I don't think Wisconsin's going to be a world beater on offense. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be a, an, a, you know, an elite team, and it'll be interesting to see where they're at in the Big Ten West at the end of the season because Iowa looked really good today. But I think they will be good. Mertz. Um, clearly more talent than on-field production at this point. You know, I asked you the other day, is Mertz good? We didn't have an answer. We got an answer today, and the, the early returns are not great. 
Not yet. I mean, not not yet. And it's becoming a lot easier to say what you saw at the start of last season against Illinois. We saw Illinois later in the year. You remember their defense, Sean? It's getting a little bit more easy to say that's the outlier in his career. He's got a lot to prove. And just like we said, if Sean Clifford came back home this week after a really rough performance and turned the ball over a bunch, that was going to be the conversation. It's going to be the conversation in Madison. Fortunately, that's not our beat. We get to talk about Penn State football. We will continue to do that here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. On behalf of Sean, thanks to producer Lance Glenn for his work today. We're coming to you with four more episodes next week. Penn State off to a 1-0 start. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.